The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Uh, Take your Bibles, if you would please, to Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 5, we'll be there in a moment. And again, I think I already said it, but if you're visiting with us, welcome. If you would like for me to reach out to you this week, I would love to. And uh, probably not just to reach out to you, I'd love to have you over for dinner and get to know you. So if if you'd like for me to reach out to you, please just make sure you put your information on the little connect card that you received on your way in, and you can put that in the offering as it goes by you this morning. so, And, uh, and I know I've said it to many of you, but um, make yourself at home here. Especially for some of us with the little kids. We've got babies over here and whatnot. Make yourself at home to, to let your kids be kids. We've got the kitchen right there, and, and, uh, and, and that won't bother me. So we will continue on in God's Word together. Luke 21. If you were to rewind, say, 15 or so years ago, and you were to go to my home address on Friend Road in Germantown, Ohio. You'd drive back a third of a mile long driveway and and perhaps you would find me, especially this time of year, uh, you may find me on a 1950s uh, N-series model Ford tractor. And I'd be out there, yeah, it's a good old tractor, there are millions of those made in America, and uh, I'd be out there bush hogging, we had a bush hog attached to it, we all, we live in Ohio, we all know what this looks like, and and I would use that, we would use this on the farm to knock down the tall weeds that would grow up in the horse pastures. And, uh, and I'd be, it was such a fun thing, especially when I was a young teenager, that was to be on a piece of a machinery like that was just awesome. And, and you'd be going along and the engine would be running and it'd be going the nice whir that the engine makes as you're going along mowing. But then all of a sudden it would be going, and, uh, and you knew that when you heard that noise, that it was beginning to run out of gas and what I would instantaneously do and and all of the kids that grew up driving this tractor would sooner or later learn to do this the moment they heard that noise because the tractor had no gas gauge you as soon as you heard that noise you turn hit the button to turn off the PTO which is the thing that runs the the bush hog you turn off the blades of the mower and you turn it around to drive back to the barn and you get as close to the barn as you can because that's where the gas was and 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 you knew that when you heard it starting to sputter because uh, this is an old tractor, sometimes it would run a few feet, sometimes it would run a few hundred feet. You never knew how long it was going to go once it started to sputter, but you knew that your best bet was to turn it towards the barn where the gas cans were. And, uh, but you knew that it was a matter of time. When it began to sputter, there was no questioning of if it was going to run out of gas, it was a matter of moments. And you just, you just had an amount of time, and you never knew when it was going to happen once it started to sputter. I'm here to tell you today, and this is probably not news to any of you, that the world has begun to sputter. Have you sensed it? Uh, Perhaps you've heard the sputtering of our world. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1-5, through it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Looking at you young people out here unthankful, unholy, unloving, 
unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Uh, the tractor sputtering church. The, the world has begun to sputter. We see these things true in our world today. You don't have to look far to see every single one of those things absolutely true in our world today. Now, we don't know the, to the extent that those things will be true before we see the actual end of time, before we see Christ's return, before we see those things, but it's obvious, at least to some degree, that the world has begun to sputter. It's beginning, beginning to... It's like the final winding down. You know that this is, we, we see it, we feel it, we, we see these things happening. Now, growing up on the farm, if you were on this tractor and you just ignored the sputter and you just continued on your merry way, you would continue on for a little bit until the tractor would have no ch choice but to die out of being, having no fuel in it. And you'd be stuck out there in the middle of the field and you have to go. It, it was not a good predicament to be in to just ignore the sputtering. And I believe the same thing could be said of us, of believers and non-believers, that to ignore the sputtering is an unwise choice to make. And here's why I believe this. Revelation 3, verse 11, this is to the believers, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. So as believers, there's this very real understanding that if we ignore the sputtering, that it could very well mean a lack of reward in heaven. So it's wise for us believers to not ignore the sputtering that we see in our world today. For the non-believer, Jesus says, Revelation 2, verse 16, it says, Repent, or else I will come to you quickly. And Jesus is a good God. He is a loving God. He is a righteous judge. And that is horrible news for the unbeliever because you're not those things. And He is a righteous God. So we cannot ignore the sputtering. It's because of this sputter that we see in our world, and we see even more so as we progress through time, is why I believe I have been drawn of the Holy Spirit to preach this series, of which I do not know how long it will be, but we'll title it The End Times and Our Time. But before we really begin with the meat and potatoes of today's sermon, I believe that there's three presuppositions that would be important to give you now before this series begins. And you say, Pastor, what is a presupposition? A presupposition would be a previously understood understanding. It's a disclaimer. It's, it's something that you know ahead of time that helps set the groundwork and so you understand how to move forward in the future. Uh, I have the presupposition that my car needs to be running for it to move when I hit the gas pedal. Therefore, I will put the key in the ignition and I will turn it on before I hit the gas pedal. It's a presupposition that I have. So I'd like to give you three of them and I'd like to give them to you now. Presupposition number one regarding this series that we will go in is that much prophecy pertaining to eschatology is a mystery. Now the word eschatology might be new to you. It's simply the study of end times. The things that we'll be preaching about over the next several weeks. The end times, what happens to the eternality of one's soul. Eschatology, that is what that word means. And much of the prophecy pertaining to it is indeed a mystery. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever read the book of Revelation and you're thinking, man, what in the world? Like, this is the weird lions and tigers and bears. Oh my. I mean, it's like, there's just, like, it's, it can be troubling how difficult it can be to understand some of these things. And I'd like for us to take comfort this morning. We're not the only ones to feel that way. 
Daniel 7 and verse 28, after Daniel had had this great prophet of God had had this vision, and the angel Gabriel is explaining to David these visions, this very high-ranking, very powerful angel of God is describing to Daniel these visions. Listen to what Daniel's response was after one of the first visions he had. It says, As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly troubled me, and my countenance changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. So even for the prophet Daniel, this was, this was something that was disturbing to him, so much so that it changed the way his face looked. His facial expression was changed. It troubled him greatly. Again, in Daniel 8.27, after the second vision had been explained to him, he says, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. So this is not new to us for these things to be a mystery, and it's okay. It's okay for God's dealings, some of God's dealings and the things that we don't understand to remain a mystery. Uh, anytime you come to the end of human understanding in any avenue of life, you will come to the place where there's a stop sign of human understanding and a continuation of God's great and infinite understanding. And, and those, are, those are good stop signs to get to. Those are great places to take a praise break and just to worship that we don't know all the things that God knows. Isaiah 55, verse 9 puts it this way. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, God says. And my thoughts than your thoughts. The best scientists, the best doctors in the world cannot tell you why a cut heals. Something as simple as that. They, they know some things that it involves in the human body, but as to why two severed pieces of flesh can grow back together with a new piece of flesh is unknown to the medical world and to the best scientists that our world has today. Why a muscle contracts. We know it has something to do with calcium, has something to do with myofilament heads. We know some things about why it happens, but as to exactly how this happens... The best scientists in the world don't know that you reach the end, you reach the stop sign of human understanding. There's about 126 million light-sensitive cells in each eyeball of a baby before they're even born. <laughs> That's a stop sign. We don't understand that. We don't understand exactly how God parted the Red Sea as the Israelites walked through on dry ground. We don't understand those things. It's a stop sign and it's a great place to treat as a worship place it's a praise break we just stop to worship the lord and his infinite understanding if you believe that say amen so we will come to those stop signs in eschatology and study of the end times so let's just worship god when we come to those things that we don't understand he's got this presupposition number two the order of end time events rapture tribulation etc matter not and you say, Pastor Ben, how in the world could those things not matter? Of course those things matter. And, and I would say they do, but pertaining the command of the Christian, the command of the Christ follower, the order does not change our command of whether or not someone is a post-trib or pre-trib, and perhaps those are new terms for you, but regardless of how someone sees the order, it does not change the command for us. It does not change God's call to unbelievers to repent and be baptized and to trust on the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't change those things. And what I would also say is that if someone, your neighbor, a friend, even someone among our own church family were to see the order of end, times, end time events differently than you, I would encourage you to think that it is probably not a reason worth breaking fellowship over. 
Uh, those things are difficult to understand. Very difficult to exactly interpret exactly what those things will look like. So certainly, there's, things that, there's hills we die on. Jesus is the Savior. He's the only way to heaven. All of those things are hills that we die on. But when it comes to the specificity of the exact order and timing of some of these things... I encourage you not to break fellowship with fellow believers over that kind of thing. Now, just to be transparent with you all, I intend to preach this series from a pre-tribulation rapture of the church stance. And what that means is that I believe that before this great tribulation is talked about in Scripture, in Daniel, and the prophets, in Revelation, and all these places in the Bible where it talks about this great tribulation, I believe that Jesus will come and that the church will be raptured, that we will not be here to go through that. And that, that like Jesus says, that He will bring this tribulation on the world to test those that are in the world. So, many verses and reasons as to why I believe that, one of which being Revelation 3.10. Jesus says, because He says to the faithful church, to all those that are Christians, He says, because you have kept My command to persevere, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole earth to test those who dwell on the earth. So, some of those things are things that I believe will help us as we move forward. Presupposition number three, and I'll move quickly. Uh, predicting the specific timing of Christ's return is foolish. Let me ask you something, church. What do the years 1248, 1306, 1689, 1792, 1836, 1844, 1914, 1936, 1960, 1974, 1981, 1988, 1999, 1992, 1994, and 2011 all have in common? <laughs> they all have in common is that those were dates, those were years in which people predicted that Jesus was going to come back on those times at that date. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, but my Father only. So I'm not going to try to make a specific prediction. I'm going to try to go through this as the way that I believe Jesus would have us go through this. So those being our presuppositions, the things that we understand now going into this. If you're ready to help me preach this church, say yes. We're in Luke 21. Look to verse 5. Jesus is walking around Jerusalem with his disciples and they're walking past the temple, and some of his disciples make a comment about the way the temple looks. So let's read it, verse 5. It says, Then some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations. And he said, These things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another, that shall not be thrown down. So they asked him, saying, Teacher, but when will these things be? And what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? So church, let's pause there for just a brief moment and be reminded that the text that follows, what we're getting ready to go through now, the text that follows, there's much confusion about them about exactly what Jesus is talking about. Sometimes people think that He's talking about the actual destruction of this temple. They're walking by this temple and they see its beauty and the way that it's been arrayed and and, and Jesus is saying that there's coming a time when all these stones will be cast down. And, and some people think as He's talking just about the temple, the physical temple. Other people interpret what Jesus, the next things that we'll read that He talks about as being pertaining to the end of the age. The actual end of time. The actual end times that we are progressing towards. I believe my interpretation is that He is talking about both. And different portions of what we'll go through next cover different things sometimes we'll talk about both of them together both the destruction of the temple and the end of time 
And other times, what we'll read here in a moment, he's speaking specifically of just the temple or of specifically just the end of time. So as best I can tell, that is how we will read this. Look now to verse 8, and he said, and this, as best I can tell, he's speaking of both events. And he said, Take heed that you do not be deceived, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and the time has drawn near. Therefore, do not go after them. But when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified, for these things must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be great earthquakes in various places, and famines and pestilence. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from heaven. But before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. But it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, let it be, let it in your... Settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. For I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. They will put some of you to death and you will be hated by all for my namesake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. Now here, church, here, listen to me. Here is why I believe Jesus is talking both about the destruction of the temple, which if you know your Jewish history really well, you'll know that happened in the year 70 A.D. Seventy years past the time of Christ in the Roman Jewish wars. They surrounded the city. They destroyed the temple. And it was just like Jesus says in 70 A.D., the actual temple in Jerusalem got destroyed. We know in history that that happened just the way that Jesus said it did. Even secular history books will tell you that it happened exactly that way. But I also believe that Jesus is talking in the same breath, in the same sentence, the same verses. I believe he's also talking about the end times. Here's some things that he's listing here. Wars and commotions. Nations coming against each other. Earthquakes. Famines and pestilence. Persecution and imprisonment. Hated by all for Jesus' namesake. Christ followers will be brought before authority figures. And here's, listen to me. Here's why I believe that both of these things are being talked about. You think about wars and commotions. Back then, in Jesus' day, between the Jewish and Roman wars that were starting, pre, the precursor to the temple actually being torn down, there, there were wars and commotions. There, there was fighting among the people. There, was war, there were wars and commotions happening then. But you look at our world today. There's wars that have happened in Afghanistan and Iraq. There's commotions that happened between China and North Korea and the United States of America. I mean, today, commotions... World leaders threaten each other on, on Twitter, okay? There's commotions in our world today. Nations coming up against each other. We see the same thing happening back then and now earthquakes. We know that back then there was a very huge earthquake that happened. Matthew 27, verse 51, it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked. You know this scene. This is Jesus' crucifixion scene. The earth quaked and rocks were split. This was no little tremor in the ground. This was a huge earthquake. And that was back then. Now, we know that these things are increasing and not only increasing, but they're increasing in intensity. I, just do a random Google search on this like I did this week and you'll found, find one of the, many of these, hundreds of these to find. But one that I just pulled off was one of the first ones I looked at. 
It was a study that was done in New Zealand. In the 60s, they averaged, and they were counting both small and large earthquakes, but in the 60s, there was an average of 218 earthquakes per year. Again, counting both large and small. In the 70s, they averaged 268 per year. In the 80s, they averaged 358 per year. And in the 90s, they averaged 540 per year. And with each one of those years, the intensity of them increased as well. So we see that what Jesus, word, the Jesus, what Jesus said, the words that he spoke then, both applied to the destruction of the temple and to the time in which we are marching the end times. Famines and pestilence. Back in those days, again, even secular history books will tell you of the great leprosy outbreaks that happened, particularly between the years of 25 A.D. and 70 A.D., just precursor to the destruction of the temple. In today's world, we've got coronavirus, we've got Alzheimer's, we've got cancer, we've got Crohn's disease and the very common cold, none of which have cures whatsoever. Persecution and imprisonment. We know from our Bibles in the book of Acts that the Christians were being thrown in prison all the time. In today's world, on August 4th, the Fox News headline was, California pastor defies coronavirus orders despite threat of arrests. So we see this happening in our world today. Christ followers being brought before officials back then. We know of the times that they would drag Peter and John and throw them down in the middle of the synagogue before the Sanhedrin and the rest of the religious officials and, and they would question them, bringing them before powerful men. And we see today pastors being interviewed like they never have been before, particularly from them not closing their churches. We see this happening before our very eyes. Both of the things that Jesus says they apply to back then and to today as well. Hated by all for Jesus' namesake. The same thing. We see the same thing happening. Again, back then, Christians were accused of not paying their taxes, even though they were. They were also accused of cannibalism. We know the Lord's Supper. We, it represents Christ's body and blood and, and people that didn't spend much time around church. It's funny how even today, people that don't come in church very much have all these crazy ideas about what church people are like and what actually happens in church. And the Christians back then were being accused of cannibalism because they were taking the Lord's Supper together. We know that that's not true. Today, you're a racist if you, call some, if you say that all lives matter. And you're called homophobic and Islamophobic simply for being a Christian and believing that I'm not even sure what they think we believe. I don't know even how they got to those conclusions, but, but we see those things happening before us all the time. So what's the point of all this? The point is that prior to the destruction of the actual temple in 70 AD, which we know happened, the disciples heard the tractor sputtering prior to the end of this age, prior to this world being rolled up like a scroll, prior to this end of this age that we are coming to we're hearing the tractor sputtering when the tractor begins to sputter church it's just a matter of time until it runs out of gas so what we're seeing here though forget my funny illustration of a old ford tractor running out of gas what jesus is teaching here number one is that jesus is teaching the imminent end of this age it will happen it will happen and if you believe that this will happen, and perhaps you're a little fuzzy in your mind about the person of Christ and your relationship with Him, this can terrify you. This can terrify you to think that the world, everything that we know could actually end, that we would see the end of time. But there was a promise that Jesus made at the very end in verse 18 that I hope you found. Look to verse 16 of what Jesus said. We've already read this. In verse 16 it says, You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. Raise your hand if you think that kind of sounds bad. I don't want to experience that. I don't want to see that. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. 
But verse 18, but not a hair of your head will be lost. If you like that, say amen. But not a hair of your head shall be lost, Jesus says. So, so w- that's why we can go through this world with boldness. We can walk through the time that we are now experiencing. We're seeing these things happening. We can walk through with boldness. Abby and I have already decided it doesn't matter what happens to me. It doesn't matter what happens to our family. We trust when Jesus says that not one hair of our head shall be lost. Nothing can stop Jesus from that. We trust Him in that. I've heard it said before that there are three kinds of people. Those who are afraid, those who don't know enough to be afraid, and those who know their Bibles. I'd like to be in that group that knows their Bibles. If you would too, say amen. This next portion, church, now look to verse 20. This deals specifically with the destruction of the temple in 70 AD as we know it happened. So we'll read through it quickly. Jesus says, But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that its desolation is near. In other words, Jesus is saying, when you see Roman soldiers all around this city, know that it's a matter of time until they come in and break down the temple, which is exactly what happened. Verse 21, Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let those who are in the midst of her depart. And let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. For there will be a great distress in the land and wrath upon the people. And they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led away captives into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. So we know that this happened exactly the way that Jesus said it was. And the history books tell us that they surrounded the city after many fightings and many squabbles, much of the commotions that Jesus said would happen. They happened. The army surrounded. They went into the city. They destroyed it. But isn't it interesting, church, that Jesus gives His followers, Jesus gives His children this loving, caring heads up as to what would happen. They, they knew what was going to happen. They saw this coming. And the Jewish history books tell us this. They tell us that Jesus' followers were largely saved from this because they knew what was coming. When they saw this, they remembered what Jesus said and they actually fled from the city. They actually fled. The people in the country, they didn't go into the city. They knew what was happening because Jesus had given them this loving reminder, this loving prophecy of what was to come. So as we go through this church, remember Jesus' great care for you and these loving prophecies that He gives us that give us just what we need to be able to go through with confidence and boldness. Number two, Jesus lovingly guides His followers in the end that is imminent. Jesus lovingly guides His followers in the end that is imminent. So we have Jesus where He talks about both events, the temple and in times. This last section just dealt with the temple. And now I believe he's teaching specifically about the end of the age. Look now to verse 25. And it says, And there will be signs in the sun, in the moon and the stars, and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts will fail them for fear and of the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of the heavens will be shaken Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Everyone better say amen. That's a good verse right there. So this is pretty general. This doesn't give us any specific numbers, any real details. The general understanding here is that nature 
prior to the end time that Jesus is specifically speaking of will be heaving. It will be heaving. We'll see these signs of moon and the sun and the stars and, the, and, and people are going to be having heart attacks. People's men's hearts will be failing them because of the great crazy things that will be happening that are signs to us that, that, that we can lift our heads and be reminded that our redemption is drawing near. That's good news, church. You know, I've been uh, one time actually this past spring got to go hunting for morel mushrooms because of this man right here. He took me out and it was a great time. And it's, if you've never gone morel mushroom hunting in the springtime, it is a good time. And, and when you're out there looking for morel mushrooms, uh, they like to grow in particular kinds of areas. You'll look for a particular kind of hillside near a particular type of tree. And when you're going along through the forest and you see those things, you don't think, yes, I found this tree. And you don't just sit there and marvel at the tree or the hillside. You realize that the morel mushroom is drawing near. <laughs> you, the thing that you are searching for, the thing that you are looking for, the prize, the end result, the goal, that's what you're looking for, not the signs. So number three, church, Jesus is what we're looking for, not signs. Jesus could come at any moment, church. Paul the Apostle, we can see from the letters that God used him to write that he was under the conviction that Jesus could return in his lifetime. Jesus said that the kingdom is near. And church, if the kingdom is near, it's near when Paul was alive on the earth and it's near today. Jesus could come back at any moment. We're not waiting for any particular sign to come. We're waiting for Jesus. Our faces are, we see these things and we're not looking for all, let's look and marvel at these crazy things that are happening. We see nature showing us that the end of time is coming. We're not, we're not, we're not searching for those things. We notice those things and then we lift our heads and we say our redemption is drawing near. Jesus is near. The kingdom of God is near. Now should this happen in our lifetime? We ought to go through this church totally, totally different than other people should it happen in our lifetime that we see these great signs in the heavens and that the power of the heavens would be shaken i don't even know what that means but i know we'll notice it <laughs> it's hard for the heavens the power of which to be shaken and for people not to notice things so extraordinary that people will be having heart attacks we ought not to go through it like that verse 26 says men's hearts failing them for fear and expectation of the things which are coming on the earth we ought not to go through it like that, church. We ought not to be verse 26 people. We ought to be verse 28 people. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Amen. That's a good news thing. People will expect terror. We're expecting Jesus. We have no reason to fear. People will expect something to end the world in this terrible, tragic way. We're looking for Jesus to take us home. We're looking for our redemption that is drawing near. And yes, you say, Pastor, what gives us the hope? If you don't know Jesus this morning, what gives, why can Christians go through this so different? Why do they have a reason to go dip through this so differently than the rest of the world? I mean, seriously, like, like should this happen in our lifetime? And there are people, friends that you have that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that will have so much stress and anxiety in their life that they're having heart attacks. Let's make this very real for us today. Let's say that that happens. And, and all your friends that don't know the Lord are stressed out and panicked. You should be able to go to, go to bed at night and sleep and sleep well. Why? why? Why should we be able to do that? 
If you take a bunch of different types of metal, small pieces of metal and cast them on the ground, if you took aluminum and iron and brass and copper, gold, lead, silver, a bunch of different types of metals, and you just cast them out on the ground, and you take a magnet and you wave it over where you just cast those metals, uh, gold and silver and lead and copper and those things won't, they won't magnetize. They won't go up and stick to the magnet that you wave over those things. Many metals won't even stick to a magnet. But the iron that you threw out would immediately go straight to the magnet. Why? It's because iron has the same nature as the magnet. When the person has been truly redeemed of the blood of Christ, when He has washed you from your sins, when you have genuinely repented of your sins, and He's washed you and made you whole and made you new because of His blood and His sacrifice on the cross, your heart, your desires, your passions, your motivations, your longings, they all change forever. You've been clothed in His righteousness and you have His same nature. So when He comes, we're, co we're waiting for the One who loves us, who made us. We have His nature. We have His righteousness on us. When we see Him, we're going to go up to Him. It's not this righteous judge that is in opposition of the wickedness in us. We've been clothed in His righteousness, church. If you believe that, everyone say amen. We've been clothed in His righteousness. We have His, we have His righteousness. So, We've heard about him teach about both things simultaneously, the temple and the end times. He's taught specifically about the temple and then specifically about the end times. And now as best I can tell, and again, my interpretation of this may not be perfect, church. Study these things and pray about them. But as best I can tell, this next portion, verse 29, he's again talking about both events. Verse 29, it says, Then he spoke to them in a parable. He said, Look at the fig tree. And all the trees. <laughs> I love this. Jesus is such a good teacher. He says, look, I imagine that wherever they're standing, they're looking at the temple. There's probably a fig tree nearby. And he says, look at the, look at the fig tree. And any tree for that matter. Look, look at all these trees growing. I love how Jesus teaches this. And all the trees. Verse 30. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, when you see the Roman armies around the city, you know the temple's getting ready to go down. When you see all these things in history, all these things foretold of earthquakes and pestilence and, and, and wars and rumors of wars and all these things, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near church. Verse 32, Assuredly I say to you that this generation will by no means pass away until all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away so first he gives us this illustration of these this fig tree and, and we all know this we've got trees if you have a tree in your yard or on your property you know that after the long winter months and you see the the tender buds starting to come out on the ends of the branches you know that summer's coming we all we all know that and we've got apple trees out on the farm i know that when the apple tree and the apples start to fall the deer season's around the corner. Like you, you can tell what time of year it is just by looking at a tree. And almost any kind of tree, you can tell that. So we don't know when Christ's return will be, church. We don't know when the tractor will run out of gas. We don't know exactly when the apples will fall off the tree. We don't know exactly when the first buds will come out in the springtime. We don't know exactly when that thing will happen. 
but we, we, we can see the beginning. We can see it forming. We know that we know this. We have the discernment to understand these things. So number four, church, Jesus gives ample information to properly discern the times. Jesus gives ample information for us to properly discern the times, to make wise decisions about the times we're in, to be wise about the things that we're doing, the places that we go. He gives us these things. Jesus gave His disciples before the destruction of the temple. He gave them the heads up that they needed. And I believe that just today, God could be saying to us that He's giving us the heads up that we need. Not a reason to be fearful. Not a reason to be afraid. A reason to look forward, to be able to look up and see our redemption drawing near. Amen? So this next part where He talks about the generation, He says this generation shall not pass away until all these things take place. Very confusing particular part of Scripture. There's... There's two main interpretations. I'll give you both of them. Uh, one of which is that he's referencing the temple being destroyed. And if that was the case, then he was absolutely true that the generation of disciples that he was talking to, those disciples, that their generation was still on the earth when the temple was destroyed. That much is true. He was obviously the case. The other interpretation is that when Jesus says this generation, he's using that word in the same way that he did in Luke 12, in Luke 17, and other places where he says this generation of humankind, this generation of people, this church age that we are in. And if that was the case, he, what he, Jesus would be saying then is that this human generation that all of us are a part of, this, this church age that we are in, the g- human generation, will by no means pass away until all the things that Jesus said would happen will indeed happen and i'm cool with either one of those interpretations because both of them are absolutely true both of them absolutely work for which however you see the direction of how you see him referencing this generation we know that jesus is telling the truth in all of these cases now this last portion church verse 34 is clearly dealing with the end of the age and i know we're going through a lot of scripture today And usually I'm preaching more than I am teaching, but these are so important for us to go into with our eyes wide open. Verse 34, and again, I believe he's speaking specifically of the end of the age. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. That that day, not just any day church, but capital D-A-Y, day, the day, come on you unexpectedly. In other words, don't let the cares of this life, church, believer and unbeliever, believer, don't, for the Christian today, for the child of God, don't be so wrapped up in the world that you shortchange your reward. That may sound like a selfish thing, but hey, I want a reward in heaven. If I'm going to serve the Lord here on earth and He's got something that He'd like to give me, I'd like to receive it. So there you go. Don't, don't, don't be so wrapped up with things of the world that you shortchange yourself in eternity with a blessing. And for the unbeliever church, don't be so wrapped up in your pleasure. Don't be so wrapped up in sin that you forget the most important things to make it right with God in eternity. Verse 35, For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. A snare. Do you know what a snare is? It's a small noose that's used to capture animals. People back in the olden days that would be trappers and fur sellers, they would, they would go through the forest and find these small pathways that animals would walk on. And you can still today, if you've got woods at your property, you can walk out there and find little trails that animals have used. 
And someone using a snare would set it in a particular place that the animal would never see it coming. The animal would just be trotting along, and then all of a sudden, whoop! And Jesus says that's what the return of the Son of Man will be like. It will happen unexpectedly. That's why He says in verse 36, Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. Everyone say the word escape. To escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. So what's the goal here, church? What's Jesus saying? Number five, He's saying that He is our escape. Jesus is our escape from what will come to pass at the end of the age. Listen, and if you know me, you have know that I'm, I'm as quick to jump on a prepping bandwagon and store food in the basement and water everywhere. I mean, I, I'm, I'm that guy. If you know me, you know that. But listen, those things are not the goal. I think there's certainly a place to be wise as we love and care for our families as we go through this earth. But the goal is for Jesus to be our escape. He's our escape, Jesus says, from these things that will come on the whole earth, that will come on the earth unexpectedly. So church, when the tractor is done sputtering, when the world has spun until it will spin no longer, our escape is not in Washington. Our escape is not in our bank accounts. Our escape is not in America. Our escape is not in ourselves, church. Our escape is in the Lord Jesus Christ. When all of the rest of it fails and crumbles and shatters, He's still going to be there. He's still going to be our great escape from these things. So I go through these things with boldness. And yes, I am perplexed by all the things that are happening. And there are days where I feel like the prophet Daniel did, where I feel like I just want to lay at home and be sick and, and I don't understand what's happening in the world and why all this is happening and why God would have me be a pastor in today's world. Sometimes I feel like that, but... But I go through it realizing that Jesus is my escape from these things. He, he is my vehicle. He is my way through all of these things. He is my escape. If you believe that, say yes. Would you stand with me and Brian and we're going to continue to worship now. There was a very wise teacher who one time looked to his classroom full of students and he says, I'm going to walk out of the room and another teacher is going to come in here and begin teaching you right now and I will come back but I'm not going to tell you when I'm going to come back and when I come back whoever has the cleanest desk is going to get a prize so these two boys that were very good buddies they were neighbors and they were in the class together and they look at each other and they were known as the boys that never cleaned their desk and they look at each other and they said well we better clean our desk next week and the friend looks back at him and says, but we don't know when the teacher's coming back. We better clean them right now. And we better keep them clean. Because I want that prize. Church, can I just tell you, this is, this is not of winning a game. This is of you being forgiven of your sin. This is a prize that only Jesus can give. That only Jesus has purchased. You must repent. You must trust Him. You must follow Him. Your life may be difficult trusting, following Jesus. You don't think I have sin in my life? You don't think I have temptations that I deal with? We all do. That's why Jesus says, pick up your cross. Follow me. Trust me. My dear friend, when you do that, you will receive the prize, both in time and eternity.
He'll wash you of your sin. He'll forgive you. And when Jesus comes back, you're not going to be like the other metals that don't have the nature of the thing that's coming back. You will be transformed such that you have the same nature. You're clothed in His righteousness. And when He returns, you will with me and hopefully all this church meet Him in the air to be with the Lord forever. Amen? I'm excited for that day. And I'm encouraged until it happens. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you. And I pray for any of those in this room today, Father, that do not know you, that are not repentant of their sins. Holy Spirit, draw them. Jesus, if we could do nothing as a church but show the world how beautiful you are, to show the world how gracious you are, how slow to anger you are, how quick to forgive you are, how righteous you are, how holy you are, how you cannot interact with sin and how you've, you've bought the way, you've purchased the way in your blood so that we can then be with you, God. Oh, Jesus, we look forward to that day and we thank you for every day that we walk struggling sometimes, yes, but struggling forgiven. A righteous struggler. Thank you, Jesus. And in this great name we say, Amen. Let's sing together.